We are continuing in 2 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 5, verses 17 through 25 today. So as you're flipping there uh, on your phones or, or in your Bible, uh, whatever it may be today, I just want to set the stage uh, with, with a question for you. And I want you to take a moment, just imagine yourself like you're in a race. Whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, I'm sure you can imagine that you're in a race of some sort, some kind. And like any race, there's, there's a finish line. There's always a finish line. But only minutes before this race begins, you learn that the finish line is on the other side of a long network of caves. So you have to find your way through these caves, and you don't know exactly how you're going to get there, but you get four options on, on how to get through these caves to get to the finish line. The first is after the race begins, you, get, uh, you have an hour to look over a detailed map of the cave system. You can't take it with you, but... You can do your best to remember exactly what this map is telling you. Second option is instead of the map, you can take an old camera flash. It's incredibly bright, but it, it takes, you can only use it like once every hour or so because it needs to recharge. So you only get it here and there. And so then the rest of the time you're walking in the dark. Um, the third is you can take a flashlight. That seems pretty, pretty simple and, and standard, right? That's the smartest idea. Or four, um, I'm sure we've all been in this in this uh, case before in some context or another, but you can save time by declining all of these options and just go on your own resourcefulness, go on your own wits, and uh, you can figure it out on your own because you don't need any help. Um, I've been there, so you guys aren't alone. I've been there, believe me. But the race is about to start. What would you do? Think about that. Just of those four options, what seems the best option for you? And let me just pray real quick before we dive in here. And I just want to ask the Lord just to, to go before us and soften our hearts. Father, I just pray, Lord, over this message that I am just a vessel of honor. May I decrease, Lord, so that you may increase. Open up our hearts, soften our hearts, open our ears, Lord, to hear your word, what you want to be said, God. And I just pray, Lord, for a response today, a response, Lord, uh, that is committed and devoted lives to you, Jesus. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are, like I said, we are in uh, uh, chapter five, and uh, the title of my message today is uh, Immutable God, Immutable Word. And as Pastor James covered two weeks ago, the first half of chapter five describes for us the monumental moment in which, after many years of waiting, God's promise to David finally came to pass. What promise am I talking about? The promise that David would be king over all of Israel. That was way back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God had rejected Saul, who had been the first king over Israel, and instead chose David to lead his people. But as, David's, as David discovered, our timing is not always God's timing. Many years, many hardships, many questions, many conflicts, and many sleepless nights had to, go, had to go by before David would assume the throne. Years would pass. Many challenges, many, many feats would have to be accomplished and overcome before this would actually come to fruition for David. But David's story wasn't over. As is true for us, because of God's grace in Jesus, David's story was not simply a story of adversity. It was also a story of establishment and exaltation. 
Verses 1 through 16 that, that Pastor James went through not only described David's anointing as king over all Israel, but also get, uh, God's abundant provision for his new king. And we're going to see D- David's need for guidance. And this is where we pick up in verse 17 of chapter 5. It says, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. In this life, the celebrations don't last forever. New challenges will inevitably arise. Our faith will continue to be refined. And as we've seen, David had been dealing with Saul's opposition And then opposition from Saul's son and Saul's general. But now it's the Philistines who make a reappearance. If we were to go back to the beginning of 1 Samuel, even further back to the time of Samson, we would see that the Philistines were Israel's main oppressors. In fact, it was because of their faithlessness and idolatry that God had given the Israelites into the hands of the Philistines. Did you know that there are a hundred references A hundred references in the book of 1 Samuel to the Philistines. Remember, it was the Philistines who took the Ark of the Covenant after defeating the Israelites in 1 Samuel 4. It was the Philistines who sent Goliath against the Israelite forces in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It was the Philistines who fought against David when David served as Saul's greatest military leader. And it was the Philistines who finally killed Saul and his sons in the battle of Gilboa. But the Philistines were one of the main reasons the people first asked for a king. God had told David in 1 Samuel Samuel chapter 9, verse 16, You shall anoint him to be prince over my people, Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. In the same way, after Saul had been rejected, God used David to inflict mass casualties on the Philistine forces. But in a strange twist, you may recall that it was the Philistines who sheltered David, actually, during the last part of his exile, when he was on the run from Saul, when he was seeking refuge. David had pretended to cut his ties with the Israel and became a vassal of the Philistine king Achish. In fact, David was almost forced to fight in every battle in which Saul, or in the battle in which Saul and his sons were actually killed. So when we get to verse 17 here, it only makes sense that Philistines mobilize their forces when they hear that David had been anointed as king over all of Israel. Remember, they had defeated Saul and were now controlling major sections of Israelite territory. As their vassal, it was acceptable for him to be king over Judah, but replacing Saul was not an option. It wasn't an option. David would have to be eliminated. And so once again, As we've seen before, David is on the run. So in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 18, now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephan. Then David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal-perazim and defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, he named that place Baal-perazim. They abandoned their idols there, so David and his men carried them away. 
The Valley of Rephaim is west, and it's a bit south, actually, of Jerusalem. It was one of the ancient routes that people would take to travel to the coast. Now, David, his location is, is uncertain. And this may have taken place before he captured Jerusalem. Therefore, he may have gone from Hebron to his desert stronghold in Adullam. It isn't actually clear, uh, at least not from what I could see. But what is clear is that David seeks God's guidance on the eye of the battle. Of course, this is actually nothing new for David. We've seen many times how he, how he seeks the Lord. He seeks the Lord's guidance. And this is exactly what we find in 1 Samuel 22 and 23. David and Adullam asking God if he should attack the Philistines. How did David hear from God? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 23, God speaks uh, through something called the ephod, which was used by the priest Abiathar. And the chapter prior to that, it was actually the prophet Gad who communicated God's word to David. So once again, David seeks God's guidance. And once again, God answers him. As we see in verse 19, God affirms David's course of action and assures him of victory. And look at how the victory is described here. David says in verse 20, as if it was a mighty flood had swept down and broken through the Philistines li Philistine lines. Clearly, the Israelite army overwhelmed the Philistines. We're even told in verse 21 that the, Israel attack, the Israelite attack was so quick and so strong, the Philistines dropped the idols they brought into battle as they were retreating. And we often hold on to things in our life, the, the, the idols in our life, yet it is only when God shakes things up in our lives and allows maybe things to come in that will shake, shake us up and, and, and wake us up even at times when we destroy it. Sometimes we go through heartache and, and, and trial and error after trial and error and feel like we are just being persecuted and beat down and pushed out. But what God is trying to do is trying to shake us up and say, wake up. It's time that you realize that this is an idol in your life and you need to leave it behind because it is only keeping you from me. And so, as he had in, in times past, as he had in those days when women sang songs of his victories, David has defeated and driven back to the Philistines. In verses 22 uh, through 25, we see that he doesn't get rid of the Philistines that easily. These guys, the Philistines, they, they ate kittens for breakfast, y'all. Like, they didn't care. They were mean. They were mean people. They were fierce warriors. As we continue on here, now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go directly up. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the, of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so just as the Lord had commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Notice that David does the exact thing he did before. He sought God's guidance. But this time, God doesn't affirm David's thinking. Yes, David should attack the Philistines, but not in the same way as before. 
This time, God instructs David to sneak around to the groves of balsam or mulberry trees that lie behind the Philistine forces. But God's instructions to David were not simply an example of God remembering more from the West Point manual of effective battle tactics. David was a seasoned warrior. If there is a tactical advantage to be had, David would have found it. He's, not a, he's, he's no novice in this industry. This is literally what he did for Saul. He knows all the tactics. He could have found it. But no, as God makes clear to David, the strategic placement was only strategic because David would be given a supernatural advantage. We don't know what this sound was that David heard. Some think that it simply is God's way of describing the sound of a strong wind that's rustling through the treetops. Is that what God used to cover the sound of the attacking Israelites and give them the element of surprise? We just don't know. But all we know is that God describes the sound as marching. And therefore, it is an indication that God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, is on the move ahead of the Israelites. And that is the only encouragement that David needs. And I'd say that this is also the only encouragement that we need today as well. The same Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, is on the move ahead of you and I today. No matter what battles we are in or walking toward, he goes before us. There is nothing that he cannot do. And as long as we trust in him, we give him the praise, we give him the honor, we give him the glory, we give, he has the power and we just have to trust in him. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of armies. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And we need to put him on the throne and we need to trust in his plan for our lives and get rid of the thought process that we have in our minds that we are the own lords of our own lives. Because just as David had a supernatural advantage, we have a supernatural advantage. God sent a helper for us. Holy Spirit, we heard about that last week, Pentecost Sunday. And we, we are a church that, that talks about it. We believe in it and we act in those gifts from the Holy Spirit. And we have this same supernatural advantage. And I was actually talking with uh, uh, Kelsey this week. We, we were on a honeymoon. We were just driving and, and uh, I was just pondering verses in my mind and all these different things. And I'm like thinking only if people had like, if they just knew, like there's such a lack of faith that is in the world, let alone the church. Like I've, I see it with my own eyes. I've, I've been there before. Like if we just knew that, that we can actually attain this, like God is still a God of miracles. God, God still is, he's still our healer. He's still our provider. And this supernatural advantage that we have guys, that's exactly what it is. It is God is God three in one father, son, Holy spirit. And we must recognize that this advantage is something that we can attain. It's not something that we just read about in our history books, really our Bible, which is the ultimate history for, for the world and for our lives. But it's not something we just read about guys. This is something that it is ours. It is ours for the taking it, but we have to receive it over our lives today. We have to receive it. David obeys God, and once again, God gives him victory over the Philistines. 
And as we see here, an even more comprehensive victory. The Philistines are finally driven out of Israel's central hill country. The one thing that we cannot miss here, the one thing to see that we need to see this morning is the very thing that distinguishes David as not originally the king the people wanted, but most certainly the king the people needed. David was distinct from Saul in that he consistently sought David's guidance through God's word. Saul was given God's word, but he consistently rejects it. Even at the end of his life, even when things had gone from bad to worse for Saul, Saul was found looking for guidance from Israel's version of the psychic friend's hotline. He wasn't turning to God. Like, we, we already knew that Saul, Saul was messed up. And this, this is what sets him apart. But David sought God's guidance through God's word. And as we see here, through that word, David gained the victory time and time and time again. Do you believe as David believed? Do you believe that there is victory through the word of God? David is highlighted in Samuel as well as in the Psalms. He is highlighted for his love of the word of God. His leadership set an example for God's people. According to Deuteronomy 17, 18, the king was supposed to write out for himself a copy of the entire law of God and keep it with him and read it through all of his days of his life. David set the example for God's people in those days, but his example stands for us today. This morning, I believe God wants you to have victory in your life. And despite the promises of a TV preacher who may want you to send a donation first before you get anything, that's not what we're doing here. God wants you to know that victory only comes through his word. You don't have to, you don't have to spend any money unless you don't have a Bible. Then you may have to buy a Bible or you can download a free app on your phone. Okay? Like, You don't need to spend money to see his word, to read his word, to understand his word. But I will say, you must get into his word. You have to get into his word. The victory only comes through his word. Full stop. True victory only comes through God's truth. It is not the truth of this world. It is not the truth of of any you know, politician or, or, or corporation or anything else going on this word, the, the true victory only does come through God's truth. But unlike David, we don't need an ephod. We don't need a prophet. We can find God's guidance in the pages of scripture because it is a living word. It is an unchanging word. It is immutable. I believe there are three things God has shown me that I want to share with you guys this morning that help us better understand this idea of victory through his word. The first is that David sought God's word because David continued to fight. All of us are fighting. All of us are fighting and, and, and we're fighting all the time. And that's not really the issue. The issue is, are we fighting the right battles? Who or what are our true enemies? And in what way should we truly fight. 
I mean, Satan is the father of lies. He brings confusion. So it's no coincidence that we don't understand exactly what battle we're fighting or, 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 or uh, who we're fighting against, particularly. We, he tries to put us against, against people. But in reality, when us as believers, we recognize that every battle is a spiritual battle and every spiritual battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rules and principalities. So let's not pin ourselves against each other when we are going to battle uh, for God's word and for the victory that we have over our, over our lives through, through the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus. The ultimate battle we must fight is not against any person or set of circumstances or political or corporate machine. The real battle is a spiritual battle. And the real battleground is our own hearts. You see, I don't want to get confused. I don't want to confuse anybody saying, okay, maybe this is, maybe Ross is saying, you know, don't stand up and speak out against things. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. We need to speak out. We need to speak out against the, the, the evil that is in this world. And you can, you can separate people and the spirit that may have power over them. You can fight against the spirit without fighting against the person. Now, whether that person receives it as you are attacking them or not, most likely they do because there is offense in this world and that is the bait of Satan, as we all know. Uh, we, we must not just sit back and just wait for the time to come. Like when things happen, we need to stand up and, and speak against the wickedness and evil that is going on in this world because it's only going to corrupt our children, their innocence, and all the things like that. So when woke corporations like Bud Light, Target, and anything else you want to name go on and do dumb things like support all the wickedness that is in this world that is literally affecting our children, it is time for you to stand out and talk. Stand up and talk and stand on the word of God because he created a male and female. Y'all, we can't change it. We can't. The enemy wants us to think that we can, but we can't. So when we come against these battles, it's we have to remind ourselves. And I do it often because I often tick people off. And I have to recognize that I'm not fighting them. I, I, it's not, they're not my enemy, but it is the father of lies that is my enemy. It is the demonic forces that are oppressing and, 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 and pushing these people down that honestly, a lot of times what I've gotten to in the last week and my week of relaxation, I've really thought about it a lot. I'm like, man, God, these people just don't know. Like they're just, they just, they're just ignorant. They generally just don't know. Nobody's, they've been taught one way and, and they don't know any better. So somebody has to show them in the right way. So is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? Who's it going to be? Because I promise you this, there's only a, a select few people that will come into church on a Sunday morning and uh, go to a church that is willing to speak boldly on matters like this. But you guys have more influence than you could ever imagine through the word of God and through his spirit. One of our biggest struggles with God's word is making the daily connection between his word and our daily needs. But what I can tell you is this, God's word is sufficient. And God's word is exactly what we need when our enemies, the world, devil, our flesh spread out before us. Remember what the disciples confessed to Jesus in John chapter 6 says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. 
And Paul also reminds us in, in Timothy of this very truth. Second Timothy, here, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And we continue on here. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Like Timothy, we need to continue in this word. Timothy was taught the word from childhood, but that didn't mean he could now do without the word, that somehow he had outgrown the word. Like a soldier equipped for battle, God wants to use the word in the same way in our lives, equipped for every good work and armed for every spiritual battle. Second point I bring us to is David sought God's word because David sought God's power. Why do we turn to the word in the face of this spiritual battle that we call life? We turn there because we recognize that we desperately need a power beyond ourselves. Did you see how this passage emphasized God's power and that the victory that comes through his word is always his victory? Verse 20, the Lord has broken through. In verse 24, then the Lord has gone out before you. Think about how God's word is described. It's often compared with a weapon. Ephesians 6, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? This is what we need. We need to recognize that the word of God is a weapon. We talk about the armor of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. There's, there's, a, there's a reason. There's only one offensive weapon that we are given because we need to learn how to use it. We need to know how to wield it. Just like anybody who, who shoots guns or even plays with swords in battle, they had to practice. They had, to, they had to become efficient at it. They had to really give up their time and put time aside to get good at it. And we must do the same with the word. And this is what we need today. God's power at work and our struggles. Where can we find that power? Where can we find that power? We can find it in the word of God. How could we ever neglect it? Some of y'all, I'm going to be honest, some of y'all don't, don't, maybe don't want to hear this today. But I'm going to say it anyways. Surprise, surprise. Don't rush God. When you love being with somebody, time does not matter. When, when my wife and I, we get into that place and we get all snuggled up and we get a cuddle and watch a show or something, she usually falls asleep. But when we get a cuddle up and, and do whatever, like, Nothing matters. Time just like, it doesn't stand still, but it feels like I could do that all day forever because of my love that I have for her. So we're using that representation into, okay, how is my relationship with the Lord? Do I have that same mindset? I could sit with him for hours 
and time does not matter. Nothing else matters in that moment. We could sit there all day. So do you have a greater love for TV? Do you have a greater love for your phone? Do you have a greater love for whatever else you have that may be an idol in your life than you do for the Lord? It's always people who we aren't comfortable with that we are always wondering, how much longer do we have to stay with them? God is saying to us, quit treating me like a stranger. Would you just sit with me? I know we've been all in this situation before. We're not comfortable with somebody. We're like, I keep checking our watch. Okay, like, when do I got to be here? No, like, we need to approach God like we are, we just need to, we need to pray for a spirit, just a, of a renewed spirit of our hearts and our minds so that when we come to the throne, when we come and sit with the Father, we can just sit, not looking at the time, not looking at what's to do next, but we just sit with him. My third point today is David obeyed God's word, even when it seemed counterintuitive. We already talked about the fact that uh, that God gave David different instructions for the second battle mentioned in this passage. And it seems clear that this battle strategy was not exactly one that David would have ever attempted or even thought of. It was counterintuitive in his eyes. It was a strategy that wholly depended on faith. The other battle involved trust, but this, this one was even more so. But this isn't how David's son Solomon encouraged us in Proverbs 3. He says, uh, Proverbs 3 here, maybe, there we go. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And isn't this the same thing that carries over to the New Testament and is picked up by Paul in 1 Corinthians? Where it says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of God should always bring us back to the son of God. The word of God should always bring us back to the victory of God. The victory of God at the cross. Back to the greatest victory ever accomplished. You see, the word of God led to David's defeat over the enemy of God's people the Philistines. But ultimately, those victories only point us forward to God's victory over our greatest enemy, the sin that separates us from God, and the death and judgment that comes as a result of sin. Is this a strategy for victory that the world embraces that we naturally embrace? No. It is foolishness to the fallen, to those trapped under sin's deception. I'll tell you what we need. We need God's grace through God's spirit to open our eyes. We need that for our lives. There are so many Christians these days, I hear it all the time, there are so many Christians these days that talk about spending eternity with Jesus but can't even spend an hour with him during their day. Like, what are you expecting when you get to heaven? I'm just saying, and that may convict you today and you may think I'm attacking you, I'm not. I'm not at all. I was, when I first, when I first saw that, I, I saw that somewhere on a post somewhere, I don't even know, but when I first saw that, I was like, oh shoot. I was like, dang, okay. I see you, Lord, shoot. No, I was convicted, y'all. I was like, dang, I'm, I'm doing this out of, 
out of like uh, religion or, or really for my job? Like, what am I doing? And, and, and I just had to completely shift my approach to the word of God. I had to, it had to be done. I made a post on my social media a few, a few weeks ago that had some heads turning. People seemed to have enjoyed it. Uh, editors, not so much. Um, it wasn't super crazy or anything, but it was this. Is it more important to pray or read the Bible? And followed up with a, another question. Well, is it more important to breathe in or to breathe out? Breathing in is the word. We got to take it in. We got to take it in. And breathing out is our prayer. Breathing out is our conversation with the Lord. Both are necessary for our relationship with the Father. Do you love God's word? Do you recognize how much you need God's word? The race is about to start. The cave of life stands before you with all of its challenges, with all its darkness. Why wouldn't you just take the flashlight? Hasn't God told us that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? Lamp to the feet only gives enough for one or two steps at a time. Like the person who studies the map for an hour, you could simply lean on what you were taught about the Bible or religion years ago. Like the person who takes the old, old camera flash, you could every once in a while open the Bible to find an illumination when it's convenient for you. Or like the last option, you could simply go, out, go, go at it on your own, depending on your own skill, smarts, resourcefulness, connections, experience, etc., etc. But wouldn't we just take the flashlight? Why don't we avail ourselves each day of the light that God has given us in his word, light to disperse the world's darkness, light to guide in this journey. Life Church, our building literally has a lighthouse on the front. Like that, that is no coincidence. There's, you know, there is no coincidence that we, that we stepped in here and we talk a lot about being the light in this world. And, and I know if you get in the word, you know, you can see it in a few different places, but we are to be the light and to disperse the darkness and wickedness in this world that is around us. But how are we supposed to do that if we aren't getting into his word? God has given us his word and that word is light that will transform our lives, that will transform lives of those around us. I found a wonderful verse, one that speaks to everything that we're talking about today. Jeremiah 15 says this, your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Does this describe your thinking of God's word? I want us to just sit in this moment, just honestly, just think. Think about your time. Like, are you, are you giving time? Are you setting aside time? Are you making a priority in your life to get into his word? And guys, I don't want to come at you and make you feel like I'm attacking you. 
But if you're convicted today, I, that ain't me. Like that is Holy Spirit through and through. If you feel a tug on your heart, like, oh yeah, I've done that. I've only, I've approached it out of a religion standpoint, not out of a relationship. Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to know? Maybe you are the person that you already take the flashlight. You're, you're in it. You're on it. You're like, yeah, I got this. I love the word of God. I, I love it so much. I have to have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a midday snack, and then a bedtime snack too. Like there's so much there. And sometimes maybe you're in a place today where you're like, I don't really know how. Because that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon to be in that place where you're like, I don't really know how to get into the word. How am I supposed to read? Just open it and read it? Yeah, I could say yes. But I know that we all learn differently. Sometimes it's downloading the Bible app and listening, just hitting play and letting it talk. Maybe getting into devotionals that are on there. Really, most importantly, what I'd say is, getting a small group of people. We got, we call life groups here. I mean, there are groups all the time about different books and, and how to, just how to read the Bible. Like it, it, it's, don't over, like, just keep it simple. Like don't, don't think about it of like, you gotta do it this way and it has to be done. There are so many different things out there, analogies, acronyms that you could go off of that really help. They helped me early on in my walk. There, there are plenty of people that I know that have different things that they do that works for them, but it takes getting to talk with these people, having accountability in your life, having a mentor in your life. If that is you today, maybe that's you. I don't know. I don't know where you guys sit. You guys know, you guys know where you sit more than I do, but I want you to know that it is necessary for your relationship with our Father. And I want all of us, guys, if we're all, if I just imagine, if we're all getting into our word one, two hours a day, who knows? I don't know. Whatever the Lord leads you, even if you're just starting out 10 minutes a day, if we're all getting into the word every single day, imagine, just imagine what the Lord will do in your lives and not just your life, but when we all come together here on, on Sunday mornings and we're in worship and we're praising him and then we're getting into his word and we're learning more about it and there's a hunger and a fire and a passion. Imagine what will happen here in this place, not just in these walls, but outside of these walls in our lives. We will be shining so bright. We may get... A, I don't know, a ticket because it's too bright. People can't see when they drive by. Who knows? I don't know. But I, I'm a dreamer, guys. Imagine if we did this. Imagine if we did this together. We committed today. I want to do this. I want to make that commitment. I, every single day, I will open my Bible. Give me 30 days. 30 days. And after that, I'd, I would bet that you still were going to want to be in your word because there is so much incredible stuff there. You don't know where to start. You can ask me, any of our prayer team, and even people not on our prayer team. There's so many educated people that are in their word, that know their word here. Young, old, doesn't matter. There are people that you could ask and, and they would love to help you out. So I wanna ask just to close our eyes real quick and think about our, our relationship with the Lord ultimately when it comes to his word. Ask him, Lord, will you expose my flesh? 
We expose my selfishness, my pride, whatever it be in my life that has held me back from your word. Ask him, what do you want me to do? Not why is this happening, but Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to know? And in this moment, I'm going to ask the question that I just asked. No need to be embarrassed or anything, but what I'm going to simply do is I'm going to ask the question, can you and will you commit to me to getting into your word every single day for the next 30 days? Next 30 days, that's all I need from you. And I know the Lord, I don't, I can't control you. I'm not going to change your heart, but I know the Holy Spirit will and his word will, and he can. So for the next 30 days, will you commit to me to getting into your word whether it be 10 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, whatever it be. Can you commit that to me today? And if that's you, I just ask you, just lift your head, open your eyes. Because I want this place to be lit. A, a fresh wind flowing through this place. And through these commitments, guys, there, there are eyes, heads all over the place. And through these commitments, guys, I promise you, your life is going to change in the best way possible. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be challenges. You're going to get so busy probably that the enemy is going to be like, you're too busy. You can't read today. No, not happening. I'm going to stay up 30 minutes extra just so I can read. Or I'm going to wake up 30 minutes extra the next day so I can make sure I get it done beforehand. You make these commitments today, guys. Not only will your lives change, but the lives of those around you are going to change because your life's going to change and they aren't going to be able to avoid the light that is shining from you any longer. They're not going to be able to say, no, I don't see the, the spirit in your life. I don't see the Lord working in your life because I know, I know what the Holy Spirit can do through that commitment and through our time spent with him and your relationship with him is going to flourish and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to see so much growth, not just in my life, not just in our life, but, but your lives as well. And this place is going to boom because there's so much joy in this place. There's so much joy for what we get to do by serving our Lord. Our prayer team's up here, guys. And if you're, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with anything, it could be anything at all. But if you're struggling, especially with the word and how to or where to start or anything, come forward. Let us pray with you. We, we are a praying church. I say it time and time again. We're here every Saturday morning praying, praying, praying. Names, leaders, I mean, cities, countries, states, whatever. We're praying over everything. And I want you to know we want to pray with you. So don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Coming forward is a sign of strength. It is a sign of strength saying, I need help. I can't do it alone. So let us pray with you. And everybody else, let's just stand to our feet and let's just give it, give it back to God. Let's have a heart of gratitude in our lives. Let's lift our, let's lift our hands and give praise to him in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.